Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 26, and I want to start at verse 1. It says, There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went, went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give this land, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give you descendants all, uh, I will give you descendants all, I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Then I want you to go to verse 12, and then we're going to get in. Then Isaac sowed in that land, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold harvest, and the Lord blessed him. Then man began to prosper. The man began to prosper and continuing, continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege of speaking it. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak through me, God, the way you put it in me. And I pray, God, that you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that will receive, and lives that will be changed. I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Over the years, I over the years, as you know, me and Diane have uh, done a lot of TV work, and a lot of that TV work was in partnerships and praise-a-thons and raising money. And, and this has been one of the greatest verses used in raising money. Uh, you know, it's partnership, and it preaches good, it works good, and I believe, you, you know, I believe in in the prosperity of God. But this morning, we're going to look at it in a little bit different light. And the word that the Lord had me to bring to you today is just simply one word, increase. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to increase. I'm here to let somebody know today, your day of famine is over. I'm here to declare to you that your day of famine is over and the increase of God is now going to come upon your life in a way you have never ever seen it before. Let's break into this passage a few moments. Let me, let me break it down in a way that in a sense I, I guess I haven't heard it like this so this is how to come. Says, notice how it started out. There was a famine in the land besides the famine that was in the days of, of Abraham, his father. So now we've got, in a sense, if I'm looking at the scripture right, and I've tried to pull it from different references, that we're in a double famine. Man, things are doubly bad. I preached famine like this over the years. That a famine was an extreme time of drought. Well, that's possibly what was going on. But the reality of, of what a famine is speaking up here in this passage of Scripture, there was no food, people are hungry, there were many needs, and people are looking to have their needs met. And that's why Isaac and, and Rebecca, why Isaac and his wife 
were moving around because now, because of all they have with them, they're blessed because of their father. But because of that, they're looking to have a need met. Now, a famine can be created from a lot of things. A famine can be created. We saw it in the Ukraine. When war broke out there months and months ago, and we saw refugees leaving and had to leave everything they had. Those people are in a place, believe it or not, they're in a great place of need and a great place of famine. And they're looking to have their need met. So they're, they're moving. They're trying to find safety. It could be. It could be government. It could be war, just like we just declared. It could be from natural disasters, earthquakes, from droughts. And there could be many things that have created a famine. But the reality was the people were in great need. And the scripture evidently gives us a picture that Isaac and his family were in great need as well. And they were making their way to find somebody that could help meet the need that they had. Now notice something. They went to a place called uh, Gerar. Now it was a part of the promised land on a southern border of what God had promised to give to Abram and to his descendants. It was a southern border town. But notice how God speaks. He speaks to Isaac. He said, Isaac, you're going there, but don't you dare go to Egypt. Don't you dare cross this border and go into Egypt. Now when you look at the name Gerar, it means this. It means a sojourning journey, place. Can't speak this morning. Which means it's only a temporary stay. It's not meant to meet everything you got. But it's a temporary place. But here's also another definition of it. It's, a, it's the word fear. And so now we got people that are moving out of fear. They're moving out of the fear of the moment. The fear of what their future looks like. The fear that they're not going to have anything. And Isaac is making his way into this place called fear. But God speaks to him and said, don't you dare cross over into Egypt. Now you got to keep in mind, he's the son of Abraham. He's a covenant son. He's already heard the promise of God that God would bless him, that his name was going to be great and that all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through him. He's heard that word. It's resting upon him. It's in his heart, but he's moving out of fear of the moment. And so he makes his way. He makes his way, but then out of fear, this is where we, the church, and I want to say to all of us in here, because I believe God is speaking to everyone here today. If I'm not careful, fear can take me beyond the border of my blessing and move me into the place of bondage. And I will begin to adapt to a world system instead of the system of the Lord. Hello? Fear can drive us. Fear has over the last couple years. It's still driving people. It's still at work. It's a real deal. But God says don't let fear take you in to the place of bondage because you don't know. But remember who you are and that my name is upon you. That's why God spoke to him the way that he said dwell in the land 
and I will be with you for to you and your descendants. Why was he telling him that? He's only reminding him of what his father Abraham had already declared over his life. Son, you are blessed beyond measure. So don't let present circumstances tell you you're not. So Isaac goes. And he comes to this place called Gerard where there's a king that's ruling it. His name is Abimelech. Now evidently, Rebecca was one good-looking chick. Because Isaac said this, if I don't say that you're my sister, they'll probably kill me to get to you. And so he said, scheme this thing. Just, just don't tell them who we really are. And evidently, the men of the land had been eyeing her. But King Abimelech had noticed that this was a closer relationship than just a brother and sister. And he comes to Isaac and said, what are you doing? You've just about caused us to have problems here. Because any of us could have taken her. But, but Abimelech, the grace of God, showed up again to give Isaac and Rebekah, just like it did for his father, Abram and Sarah, who did the very same thing. I'm just going to say this to you here, because that same thing happened in a previous generation that's happening in this generation. But the grace of God that delivered them is the same grace of God that will deliver you and I right where we are. But who is this King Abimelech? He's king. He's a a so-called king of the Philistines. And the Philistines were always wanderers. That's what that name means. A wanderer. Always wandering. He's a king over them. Abimelech's name simply means Lord of the land. But it's a small L. In other words, he has taken an unrighteous spot as being king. But he's found a group of people that will follow. And Isaac is joining himself to this group of people. Not realizing that if if you'll follow history down the road, the Philistines would try in every area they could to wipe out the people of God. Be very careful who you're making your allegiances to. Because the people that may be your friend today may not be your friend next week or next year. But may have a plan deep within them that you don't know. But he heard the word and and Isaac Isaac understood and I believe he received the grace of God and he changed. So, so Abimelech charged Isaac. I'm getting to the message. Hang on. He charged all of his people saying, he who touches this man or his wife will surely be put to death. Now notice what Isaac does. Verse 12. Then Isaac sows in the land and in that year... He reaped a hundredfold harvest. He went back to the place. He went back to the place 
I believe we're his father's land. He realized, wait a minute, I have more authority in this place. He began to realize who he was. And the moment he began to understand who he was in the covenant relationship of God, present circumstances no longer mattered. So now he begins to sow. And he brings an increase. God wants to increase you this morning. Tuesday night when we were here, Pastor Val was leading us in communion. This thing thundered in me. And I heard the word increase. And then I heard this word, increase just doesn't happen. See, I think that's the challenge with all of us. I think that's the challenge with a lot of of modern day church and a lot of, of where we are is that we think, okay, God, you're a God of goodness and a God of grace. And as we sang earlier, God, your, your, your goodness is chasing me. Yes, it's chasing me. But it does not mean that there's something I don't do. I want to declare to you why you can increase this morning. Because if you understand that you are called for increase, you are called to increase, and the key people of God's kingdom live in the kingdom, then increase is all about us. Isaiah verse 9, 6, you know this passage real well. It'd be read a whole lot over the days and the weeks ahead of us in this Christmas season. It says something like this, For unto us... For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, listen to this, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. He's come to establish his kingdom here uh, uh, upon the earth. And in that kingdom, it is ever increasing. So if the kingdom is ever increasing, then part of the nature and the characteristics of everybody in it is increase as well. And if you look at the word, not only the government's going to be upon his shoulder and of his peace, there will be no end. Now you and I think about peace, no more war. We think about peace, there's no more trouble. But if you asked a Hebrew and you were greeted by a Hebrew, it would be totally different. Because they look at it like this. They're speaking well-being. They're speaking health. They're speaking wholeness. They're speaking peace as we would know peace. And they're speaking prosperity over your life. So when it says of his, the increase of his, of his government and peace shall be no end, then the blessing of the Lord, there's not an end to it. I don't care how blessed you are today. I don't care how much you have or what you don't have. I'm here to tell you, you will never bankrupt God and you will never come to the end of all the blessing that God wants to pour out upon you. And I'm not just talking about money. You know, there's an increase of everything. There's an increase of anointing. I believe there's an increase of health. I believe there's an increase of peace. I believe there's an increase of authority. Increase is in everything. And we need to be expecting the increase of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Help me out today. I'm talking to you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to increase. Man was born for increase. No, let me say that. No, I didn't say it right. Man was created for increase. 
He was created for increase. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, gives us the picture of creation. And when God created man, he created him male and female. And this is what the word said. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That kind of sounds like increase to me. Y'all didn't hear that. God blessed them. Be fruitful. Multiply. Subdue the earth or fill the earth. Subdue it and have dominion over it. Isn't that what it, let, let's see it. Put up, put up Genesis chapter 1 verse 20, 28. I, they got to see it. Evidently they're not looking their Bible. Are we froze up back there? Oh, there we are. Then God blessed them and said, everybody, let's read this together. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. Now I think we've got a God-given order. Here's the picture. First of all, you are blessed. Secondly, you are fruitful. You begin to increase. You begin to fill the earth. You begin, the word subdue there means you begin to work it to make it what it's supposed to be. Hello. And then he said you can have dominion. Then he said dominion will be yours. And you will rule in a sense over really what belongs to the Lord. Keep that up there for just a moment. God spoke to man. Adam. He didn't just say Charlie over there or Larry over there. God spoke to man. Both male and female. And this is what God said. I blessed you. We have lived under the guise, and the skies enough of the enemy to feel like we're cursed. And that is a lie from the enemy. But you're blessed by the hand of God. Come on. You're blessed. Look at somebody say you're blessed. Let me tell you why you're blessed. What he meant to be blessed. I believe this. When God blesses you. This is what God is saying. You have the legal right to be, to have, and to do everything that I created you for. That's what blessing in my heart means. The legal right to be, the legal right to do, and the legal right to have everything that God created us for. Why do I need a legal right? Because you got an adversary that's looking at you and pointing out your faults and he's pointing out your failures and he's pointing out your defeats and he's reminding you constantly of your past instead of who you are in Jesus Christ. And some of us need to change our way of thinking and our way of talking. Here's how a lot of the church talks. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. Not if you're born again. Not if you're under the blood of Jesus. That guy no longer exists. He can't even be found. We are new creations created in Christ Jesus. I've been born again by the blood of the Lamb. Not only am I born again, I'm not, listen, I'm not just Christian. Okay, this is something going to challenge all of you. Because see, that's what we're taught. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Well, it's a good thing. The first mention of that is in the book of Acts. And that was a slander because those people were acting like Jesus. I'm not just Christian. I, I, I don't even, how, how am I going to say this? 
I, I am of another citizenship. I'm not an alien as this world knows it. But I am an alien to the world. Because my citizenship is of heaven. My father is God. My bloodline is of heaven. I'm more than just a religious Christian. See, we got religious Christians doing everything under the sun. So the world doesn't even know who they are no more. That's why God has challenged us to be kingdom people. Because if we're just being Christian, everybody, yes, everybody on the street, yeah, I'm a Christian. And doing everything under the sun. Going to everything, walking in everything, talking ugly, doing bad things. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But when you and I really understand who we are, my citizenship is of heaven. But I got an enemy that's constantly pressing on me and reminding me. And that's why I need people around me that will remind me. Hey, do you remember what Jesus did for you? He redeemed me. Wait a minute, what does that redeem mean? Because that's part of the story. Redeem means to put back into original order. Not into the order of Adam, but even greater than Adam. Because I'm not seated where Adam is. I'm seated in Christ, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. So he blessed him. So in that blessing, this is what he says. You're fruitful. You're fruitful. You're fruitful. You know, when God created everything. No, let me read that again because I didn't read it right. Then God blessed them. God said to them, are you okay? I got to get this jet down. He said, everybody say, be. Be fruitful. You stop right there. That's the same word that God used in the Genesis 1 and 2. When God said something like this. And let there be what? Light. What happened? Light came and overcome the darkness. So when God said, be fruitful, you can't help but be fruitful. When you don't think you have enough in you to fulfill the purpose of God, we have bought into religion that we are never good enough. I'll never be able to, to mount up to be when God said, I am fruitful. And then he said, multiply. I think, is that what he said? Yeah. He said, multiply. Now, how in the world am I ever going to multiply? I'm fruitful, but I'm not multiplying. Because I'm not taking what's in me and releasing that out of me. So that it can produce a harvest of what God intended through me. See, that's why most of us, we, we've even come to believe this, even in our soul winning. And I think we've even got so winning wrong. Because we go at people like this. If you don't get saved, you're going to go to hell. And we're never telling them what God really has for them. So we say stuff like this. Well, I tell people, but they don't come. I tell people, but they don't seem to move. That's not your problem. You and your husband, when me and Diane, I'll just use us. And I got to keep myself straight here. I'll blush and get myself embarrassed. We started wanting children. I want to tell you something. I didn't get a child just looking at her. She was hot. But 
She didn't get pregnant by me just looking at her. Hello? She had the womb. I had the seed. And the seed had to be passed. I had to release the seed from me into the womb. But at that moment, we didn't get a child. We didn't get a child at that very moment. It took a period of time. There were some things that were going on. And we're convinced if we don't see anything happening the very moment that I speak, then nothing's happening. So I must not have what God said I have. God said, you're more fruitful. You're more fruitful than what you believe. You're more fruitful than what you know. Why is it that... Two people can be in lust and get together in an evening and conceive and bring forth a child. I thought that was reserved for a covenant relationship. Because of the seed, because of the fruitfulness that man walks under. I'm here to declare to you that we're more fruitful than what we believe. And out of that fruitfulness as we plant the seed, that's in a natural sense to bring men. Listen, I've learned this over all the years of ministry. I've had people ask me, how did you do what you do? How do you learn? How do you... I want to tell you something. I didn't, as y'all can tell, I didn't go off to a Bible college to learn to do what I'm doing. I knew I was called when I was eight years old. I come up in a family. I come up in a family of preachers, my brothers. And I found out late, just in the latter years, before my mom passed, my mom and dad felt that call. But because they had two little boys ahead of them, they didn't think they could fulfill it. And they didn't go off to Bible school. So they just done what they did. And they raised the boys to be preachers. But I've learned this. The more I give away, the more I learn. The more I take, even when it seems so little. You may not know anything but John 3.16. You may not be able to know anything but just maybe Psalms 23, but a few verses. But if you will take what you think you don't have or the little that you think you have and you will plant it, you will not only see a harvest, but you will see an increase come back into your life. Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Same thing can happen through prayer. Same thing can happen through, listen, through worship. I, I don't know how to, listen, just start where you are. Start pouring out. Start giving away. Because multiplication is in you. And you will begin to increase. And when you increase, what do we start doing? We start filling the earth. He didn't tell us to fill the church. He said, fill the earth. He said, fill the earth. Feel the earth. He said, I want, he said, I want me all over the place. I want the earth filled with me. He said, subdue it. Adam was placed in a garden in the midst of it. God gave him a vision. Said, multiply, fill all the earth. He said, Adam, you see that field over there? It can look like this garden. The earth is mine, Adam, and all that's in it. But I'm going to give you responsibility to it. And if you will work it, it will look like this garden. That's been God's plan. That his kingdom would be revealed from the first picture. From the first picture we're given of the garden. And in that garden, listen. In that garden, there was a river that came out to four heads. 
And those rivers, those foreheads, there was uh, the river, I wrote them down. It was Pishon, I don't know if I'm speaking it right, Gihon, Hidekel, and Euphrates. One of them means increase, the other means breakthrough, the other one means fruitfulness, and the other one means light. God said, out of my garden is going to flow a river, and he said, it's got breakthrough in it. Some of you this morning, you need a breakthrough. I'm here to tell you there is a river that flows from the throne of God. And it's got breakthrough. It's got the increase you need in. It's got the light, the revelation that you need in it. It's got everything you have need of. So Isaac sows in this land. I, I've read this a million times, but didn't put all this together. Bimelech sends him. Gets rid of him in a sense and he goes to sow. I want to say this to you about Abimelech. If you don't take your place of kingship of where God has told you to rule, there will be somebody will take a kingship and rule over you. And that's what's happened to many believers. We didn't take our rightful place and now we're being ruled over. And so Isaac goes, and the first thing that Isaac does, he sows seed. Now, I got some farmers here. Mr. Jerry's back there. His family, big farmers west of us a little bit. You got to have water. You got to have water. So what did Isaac do? The Bible said that he went back and began to redig the wells of his fathers. Listen. Where the Philistines had covered them up. Now those guys weren't too smart. They're covering up their own source of supply. But the reason they filled the wells. They were trying to stop the blessing of God. Upon Abraham and upon his descendants. If we can stop the flow of well. We'll cover it up. We'll cover it up so they can't draw from it. And we'll drive them from the land so that this land becomes ours. So he goes back and he redigs the wells of his fathers. I believe there's some wells that need to be redug in our life. And listen, listen, church, please hear me. I don't care how modern things get. I don't care how new things get in the kingdom. There are both things old and things new. And some things are never going to change. Some things, and I'm not talking about styles. I'm talking about what is needed and how we're going to live. There were three wells that they began to unfold. One of those wells began, he began, they, they called it a contention. Because the Philistines began to contend with Isaac and with his herdsmen. And they were saying, this water belongs to us. So there's a contention. The other one was this. It's called sitna, which means strife. It means strife. And then there's the other one that's called uh, Rehoboth. And I believe, let me find what it means here real quickly. I wrote it down. It means spaciousness or there's more than enough. There's increase here. 
I want to tell you there will always be an enemy that will contend with you over what you need. There will always be an enemy that will set its strife at you with what you need. But I believe, listen to me, young people in the house and old people as well. I believe there's things that we need and I believe there's some wells that we re- need to redig. We need to redig the well of faith. Faith in God. We need to know how to live by faith. The Bible said the just shall live by faith. I told you a week or so ago, I heard Ken Copeland preaching to his believers conference. Thousands upon thousands of people. And he's going back and he's preaching and teaching on the foundations of faith. We need to get back to believing God. That when God says something, God will do it. We need to get back to believing that God has no limits. There's nothing impossible for God. If God said we're healed, we're healed. If God said I'm a prosperous, I'm prosperous. If he says I'm abounding, I'm abounding. Come on, church. Get back to faith. Listen, you better learn how to walk in faith instead of riding on somebody else's faith. God will let you do that for a moment. But there comes a time when you need to have faith yourself. Where you need to stand up because the preacher may not always be around. Your prophet may not always be there. The one you've been leaning on may not be able to get to you. we got to learn how to stand in faith. I believe we need to get back to things like, I know you and I, we preach it here and teach it. But we need the blood and we need the cross. And we don't need to be ashamed of it. It, but we need to declare it more and more and more that I'm a blood bought child of God. I believe in the old rugged cross. Me and I take communion almost every night together. And we come back and say, God, we believe in the finished work of the cross. I believe we need it. That's an old well. I know it's not a popular message, but it's a well that needs to be redug. I believe we need to go back to the Word. Hello. We need the Word in our life. Listen, the Word comes in various forms. I don't care if you pack it. I don't care if you pull it up. I don't care if you download it. However it comes to you. If I pack this, if all I do is got this under my arm and I'm not ever in this thing and I'm not ever put it in my life, it is as useless as any book on my bookshelf. Hello, you got to have it in you. We need the word in us if we're going to increase. Because the word's going to tell me who I am, tell me who God is, tell me who I am, and tell me what God wants to do for me, and tell me what I can have. Because everybody's after, remember we're in the time of famine. Everybody's looking for their needs to be met. I've told this story here before. Of when Young E. Cho, and you guys can come back because i got to land the jet. I'm kind of coming in. Uh, when Young E. Cho started, pastor this little church in Korea. He's gone to be with the Lord now. Well over a million people. I can't even phantom that. But he didn't start that way. He started in the slum area. He would pray and so full of God, he would go to the slum area. And he said, I went to this little 
place, this little slum. We, we, we have a hard time seeing this in our culture. He said this little lady was living on a mud floor with just 10, 10 walls and 10, and that's all she had. And he's full of faith and fire and the Holy Ghost, and he's going to tell her about Jesus. He said, ma'am, you really need to give your heart to Jesus so that you can go to heaven. And if you don't give your heart to Jesus, then you're going to go to hell. And the little lady looked at him and she says, sir, as far as your heaven is concerned, I can't even comprehend it. And she said, sir, as far as hell, what greater hell could there be than what I'm already living in? He was devastated, devastated. He left her. Went back and for two weeks prayed and fasted, sought God. God said, I want you to take her a bag of rice. And I want you to go in and I want you to talk to her and tell her about my goodness. And I want you to tell her that I want to prosper her and I want to bless her. And he began to teach her. He began to disciple her. And it wasn't long in a culture that doesn't believe in women leaders. That in a culture she became one of his first leaders in his church. I've come to find out something. You know, most people aren't responding to God because they're afraid of hell. And they're not responding to God because we're making heaven so beautiful. People are looking for their needs to be met. They're hurting. They're broken. They're shattered. They're, they're messed up. They're looking. Is there something better than this? I, I, I told my brother, I was sharing some of this with my brother yesterday. I said, Bob. You remember in John chapter 6, the word says something like this. Jesus told his disciples, he said, only reason they're following me is for the fishes and bread. And we've read that, we've made that such a negative. But whose idea was it to feed them? It was Jesus. When he went, when the disciples said, send the multitude away, Jesus said, no. Feed them. Meet their need. Whatever their need is, they're hurting. Meet their need. And through that, hello. Matter of fact, if it was such a negative, we find two times in the scripture that Jesus fed multitudes. Done it several times. And matter of fact, even the last time, it wasn't a multitude he fed, but he fed a, he fed a rebellious or he, he fed a denying disciple that denied him, that was out fishing, that went back to try to be fulfilled. And Jesus said, wait a minute, Peter, didn't I tell you I would make you a fisher of men? I don't need you fishing for fish. I just need you to come. And they caught one of the biggest catches ever that day. And yet Jesus had fish on the fire. Because he's meeting him at the point of his need. And Isaac re-dug those wells. I believe we need to re-dig the well of worship. Of what true worship is. Sometimes we're caught up in the hype of a moment. And it's not worship. God's looking for you. I talked to a prophet recently that had, had some real issues. And for years. Well, I'll tell you who he was. He don't care. My friend Tim Woodson. Tim Woodson was in our life for years, 35 years ago. And Tim went through a major fall, lost his family, went to the world. Lift, and I remember trying to reach out to Tim. And this is what Brother Tim told me. 
He said, Pastor, it'll be a cold day in hell before I'll ever step on a platform again. I thought, Tim, you're in trouble, dude. You're broken. I mean, he went as low as a man could. Y'all heard him here back earlier in the year. He shared his story here. So I was talking to him recently. He's feeling this stirring greater than he's ever had. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, hey, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. He said, Lord, I've been here. What do you want from me? I've been waiting for you. He's been involved in church. He's been playing on the worship team. He's been doing some ministry here and there. And God is saying to him, hey, Tim, I've been looking for you. I've been waiting upon you to get back to that point where you were totally dependent and you were just solely in love with me. And all you wanted to do was be with me, whether you perform for anybody else or not. We need to get back to that place of worship. We need to get back to that place of prayer. He re-dug the well. And the word said, in the same year, they began to prosper. And the man began to prosper. And he continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. And then he went. Verse 24, and I'm done. And the Lord appeared to him the same night. He said, I'm the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear. For I'm with you. And I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And he pinched, pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servant dug a well. They tapped into a new stream. I'm telling you there are streams of the Lord that you and I haven't began to tap into. Abram. Or Isaac, I made a covenant with your father. And I'm not about to let that go. I'm not about to renege on what I promised. I will bless you. And I will bless your descendants. I'm here to declare you might be in a... You might be... You might be in a famine today. In the greatest need of your life. And I'm not talking about food on your table. Although that could be it. Maybe you're in a famine of life, a famine of peace, a famine of health, a famine of whatever. But you're in a major famine and you feel like this thing is never going to get over. And you're desperate and you're running here and you're running there. And you're trying to get that fulfilled. I want to tell you something. We have a covenant. We have been sealed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus paid it all for us at Calvary. He that knew no sin became sin for us. That we might be the righteousness of God. And he made a way where there was no way. So that we could be redeemed to live the life that we were always created for. And it's not about what I'm saying. It's about what Jesus did at the cross for you. The only thing I am is a messenger. And I'm here to declare to you. Because of Jesus. Not based upon your goodness. Not based upon where you walk. How you talk. But based upon what Jesus did at the cross. What Jesus did through his, through his body. What Jesus did at the tomb. You and I can be in a place of increase. And the famine can break over your life this morning.